The Once and Future Nerd Book One, Princes of Jordan Chapter One, The Prince of Jordan Episode Four At the bottom of the craggy hill on which Guernatal's keep was built, was a hole through which sewage could be evacuated from the castle and town. Clever bit of engineering. Even more clever was a nearby secret door that looked exactly like the rock face when closed. The door had not been used since well before Gunther's reign, but given the stakes, Brennan decided to do everything possible to conceal his party's movement. The door opened, and out came Brennan, Yillowin, Billy, Jen, and Nelson. Brennan and Yillowin were armed to the teeth. Billy had his so-called football pads, Jen her handbag, and Nelson still wore his D20 on his neck. As they emerged from the hidden door, they were greeted by the overpowering smell of human sewage, which was very unpleasant to the four humans but did not so much bother Yilwin. We're headed 30 miles north. We're walking? Even if we had horses, do any of you know how to ride? Is that a prompt for a tutorial? It's easier to stay undetected this way. At least we'll take in the scenery, right? This is horseshit. I've heard you speak endlessly of yourself as an athlete. Funny that a walk intimidates you. I was thinking of the lady. We do have to train for cheerleading, Billy. No offense, babe. Lifting pom-poms isn't training. Brennan looked over his shoulder at Castle Guernatal once more, pausing for just a moment, and then put on his helm and turned away. When the sun came up, it was snowing lightly. Soft, gentle snowflakes caught the light of the new day as they coasted to the ground, the party had made respectable progress during the night, but as the dawn approached, Brennan and Yellowin insisted on heading off the beaten path. Their three young charges were ill-prepared for the rocky terrain that this plan required. We need to pick up the pace. The road won't get any easier after dark and traffic isn't getting any farther away. I'm sorry, I'm trying. Did you have to pick the most busted-ass road you can find? You don't have an interstate or some shit? There are smoother roads for horses and wagons, but apparently I need to remind you that we are hoping to avoid detection. Do you have to remind yourself to think about girls when you jerk off? So we're going to some great magic academy? The College of Armstrong God is the finest scholastic institution in the human realms of Jordan. I never thought I'd get to see a big school. Well, I only ever visited community college. I bet they'll be like those preppy douchebags from UPenn. And we're meeting a legendary wizard? If we're lucky. It's a great honor to get a private audience with Balakir. Ball liquor? Yellowween is taking us to see Ball liquor? What is it with you guys' names, Weenie? Why does he keep calling me Weenie? I think he's trying to insult you. Where we come from, Weenie is a diminutive term for the male organ. Strange. 
Any chance this wizard might know how to get us home? Where did you say home is again? Lackawanna County, Nepa. Bah, look here. <coughs> Has traveled the world, even to the unmapped islands on the edges of Jordan. Perhaps he does know where this Lackawanna is. But remind me, General, why are we going to see him? Brennan took barely a moment to search for a believable lie. He may have information about whomever betrayed House Guernador. So, where can I drop a duke around here? Billy. What is his meaning? I think he's asking about the use of a privy. We have no time to stop now. We'll dig a ditch when we make camp. But be sure to bury your leavings. How about I bury my dick? In your mom? For someone so preoccupied with sexual congress, you seem quite confused about how it works. Enough. Yeah, enough weenie. At the same time, Arlene Redmore was frantically making preparations to leave Castle Guernathal ahead of the impending war. She rounded a corner quickly and nearly collided with her brother. Where are you headed in such a hurry, dear sister? To our father's house. Where do you think we'll be safer there? Ardell struck his sister across the mouth. Cutting her lip. Sadly, this was not wholly surprising. We are staying right here. And if you ever speak against me at court again, I will make sure everyone in Jordan knows you for the whore you are. Arlene refused to let water come to her eyes until after Ardell had turned the corner. By late morning... Brennan and his charges had reached a thinly iced lake. On a bank of the lake was an outcropping, which provided enough cover for a brief rest. The temperature was dropping, so Brennan was forced to build a small fire, while Billy made use of the ditch that Yillowin had dug on the opposite side of the outcropping. Should we have sent someone to guard the privy ditch? You're not going to watch Billy go to the bathroom. Not me. Halloween or something. He'd love that. Besides, I think he's okay. Bad guys don't just appear out of thin air, right? Actually, in most Japanese RPGs... Holy shit, you guys. I just took the most amazing dump. Jen buried her face in her hands. You ever take such a big dump, you need a nap after? Honey, we haven't slept in almost 24 hours. That's probably... No, 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 no. Trust me. If you'd have seen this dump I took... There was a rabbit watching me. He ran away when it hit the ground. That was when the wind changed direction, and Yillowin's elvish nose detected unmasked human feces. Please tell me you buried it like you were told. What? No, screw that. That's weird. A dozen cockroaches had scurried over the rocks. I should be clear that these were your dick cockroaches. I'm told that where Billy, Jen, and Nelson were from, they have creatures which they call cockroaches, but which are only an inch or so long. Your dick cockroaches are the size of small dogs. Hence Jen shrieking and hiding behind Billy. Billy, you fool. Someone give me a weapon. Just charge them. What? <laughs> Brennan ran at the roaches, waving his arms. They darted away extremely quickly, but after a few seconds of running, they rolled over dead, as is their want. I think we got him. 
You all right, babe? Yeah, I'm fine. Let's stay vigilant. If there's anything more fearsome nearby, it knows where we are now. Aye. You and I shall trade watches while they rest. And we should get them to an armory when we reach Armstrongard. Can we just go home, please? We won't need armor there. We're gonna get our own armor? And maybe weapons. If we can find some you can handle. That's what's up. Hell yeah. No sense messing up my hands if I don't need to. Well, you've certainly proved yourself in battle so far. I was protecting the lady. Ah, uh, yes. A favorite excuse to cowardly men. What the hell did you just say to me? Stop it. Both of you. Billy, keep your mouth closed. If go find us some supper. Yellowin looked over to the dead roaches. With at most four legs. Yellowin shrugged, strung his bow, and walked off. Do roaches around here always die just from running? Of course. Pussies. I thought I could at least learn to use a weapon against them. They're probably just too big. You have to expect vermin of unusual size early in the quest. But insects have open circulatory systems and no lungs. When they're that size, there's no way they could absorb enough oxygen to run. This prompted a sideways look from Billy. I think. <laughs> it was around noon when Arlene Redmore climbed into the bath. There was a chill in the air that day, and steam curled out of the water to wrap around her body. Her handmaiden, Gwen, ladled fresh water from a cauldron onto her. Gwen was of an age with Arlene, and had become her handmaiden some ten years ago. Ever since, they had been as dear to each other as was considered proper for nobles and the commoners who served them. I hope you're not in too much pain, milady. Arlene self-consciously sucked in her lower lip, which had begun to scab. It's nothing. They should fix the floors in this old dungeon, lest someone else fall. It's not right. He should do that to his sister. Gwen! Sorry, milady. It just breaks me heart to see. He'd break much more if he heard you. Arlene's lips split again and bled. She pulled Gwen in very close, so that her lips were almost touching the serving girl's ear. There will be a time for defiance. But this is not it. Gwen stood and retrieved a washcloth. She knelt back down beside the bath. You should talk to his majesty about those floors. Gwen tenderly dabbed at Arlene's cut, running the cloth softly over her mistress' lip. They looked into each other's eyes for perhaps a moment or two longer than would have been considered proper. The door burst open and Ardell strode in. Naked as the day he was born. Brother! Arlene scrambled to cover herself. You've had your turn. It's time for my bath. Arlene looked back at her brother, surprised. I had mentioned before that his callousness rarely surprised her anymore. But once in a while, he still caught her off guard. Was I not clear? His eyes were pure menace. Frightened out of her incredulity, Arlene climbed out of the tub and looked around for something to wear. I'll get your night clothes, milady. I don't recall dismissing you. Ardell climbed into the bath and looked back up at his naked sister, taking far too much pleasure in her discomfort. It's not too far to your bedchambers. You probably won't encounter anyone if you go quickly. Arlene only turned from her brother when she realized she could no longer hold back the tears of rage. 
Gwen was impotently furious as she watched her mistress and dearest friend dart out into the hallway. Water, wench, now. By late afternoon, Brennan and his charges had picked clean a small goose that Yellowin had shot. They sat around a small fire, wiping the grease from their hands and faces. The three young humans were completely exhausted, but nonetheless, Nelson had found time to arrange the bones from his meal in size order. I hope you aren't offended, but this really isn't our kind of place. You can see that, can't you? Aye, and I'm sorry that you must go through this. But you are here, and I have orders to keep you with me. Suppose we say screw your orders and run off while you're asleep. You're welcome to try. You're safest with us. I fear Jordan's about to get very violent. Because you had a dream about some birds? You mean prophecy. One of us could be the anointed one, right? The coming war has nothing to do with my dream. What does it have to do with? Several things, starting with House Felgir. We think Felgir may be planning an attack against Guernatal. So Felgir is the big evil general that everyone was scared of last night? No, that's Traft. He leads an army of orcs and rebels down from the mountains in the east. Orcs is troublingly vague. Are we talking Lord of the Rings, WoW, Elder Scrolls? We're talking about beasts in men's bodies who will rip your throat out with their teeth and burn your mother at the stake for fun. This place is really going to shit, huh? Why now? King Gunther once had a son, Prince Uther. His mother, Queen Helga, died from fever when he was a child, but he grew into a fine young man. It would have made a good king. Hmm. Seventeen years ago, Uther was assassinated by enemies of the monarchy. His majesty was devastated, but in order to produce another heir, he remarried to a lady-in-waiting named Dagmar. They tried to conceive for many years, but only succeeded a few moons ago. This story doesn't end happily, does it? I didn't know until later, but apparently Queen Dagmar passed shortly before I found you three. Something went wrong with the birth. Mother and child both were killed. I'm so sorry. And that's it? Three people eat it and your entire country's a free-for-all? Isn't there a line of... of... Help me out, Four Eyes. Royal succession? Isn't there a line of royal succession? The king is aging. Most people saw Dagmar's child as his last chance at an heir. That's a pretty shitty way to run things. Usually these traditions of royal succession go back millennia. You should show a little respect. Where we come from, the people rule themselves. Commoners raised to kings. I'm sure you do a great job running the kingdom. We suck ass at it. But even we're smart enough that if the guy on top drops dead, there's like 30 people in line to take his place. Oh, are any of them qualified to rule? I still don't get why this all started a war. Ever since the second White Forest Concordant, the Tarlow Hill have sworn to defend the legitimate bloodline of the High King. Tarlow Hill? Knights of the Wood, in your tongue. No. Knights of the Wood? But the knights protect the monarchy in general, not any one king. With Dagmar and her child dead, House Querenthal will have no claim to the throne once his majesty passes. Thus, the house is no longer protected by the Tarlow Hill and all her enemies crawled out from under their rocks. We tried to hide the deaths, 
which is why some feared you were spies, but word got out where you were in our custody. So then, what's with the dream with the birds? Prophecy with the birds. That's why His Majesty's court decided not to summarily execute you. Not that I'm complaining, but because of a dream about some birds? We've had leaders go to war for less. To be expected when the rabble rules itself. Yeah, the kids of cousins are a better bet. It was then that Brennan noticed, far off beyond the horizon, a thin pillar of smoke rising into the sky. Get a few hours of sleep, then we need to keep moving. And they did get some sleep. And they did keep moving. Far too soon for the liking of the young travellers, but not quite soon enough for Brennan's liking. For all her exhaustion, Jen was mesmerised by the Yordic sky at night. Stars beyond counting, in constellations she had never seen. The moon seemed to her so large, and the aurora so vivid, she had a hard time believing they were real. How much farther? You just slept for four hours. I'm doing fine. Billy then proceeded to trip over his own feet and nearly fall. But by then the party had reached the top of the hill they had been climbing for some time. Behold. The hill overlooked an enormous city, creeping around a river, with torchlights visible even at this hour. Amstrangard. A legion of stone buildings sprawled out across what seemed like the entire valley, and at the centre of it all was a shimmering white tower. A waste of a perfectly nice river valley, if you ask me. But we sprites are just timeless manifestations of the life force who bear witness to all that is, was, and ever will be. What do we know? No matter. For it was in this city, this expansive, shining, and in my opinion, kind of tacky city, that Billy, Jen, and Nelson had a date, as they say, with legend. For additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madeira. It is performed by Garrett Armin, Hayes Dunlop, Anya Gibeon, Ian Harkins, Emily Kukuk, Frank Queris, Julie Reed, Perry Strong, and Dylan Uremovich. It is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly and directed and edited by Christian Madeira. Production sound engineering is done by Gary O'Keefe, with dialogue editing and foley by Tommy Stang, and post-production mixing and sound design by Sandra Ramirez. Theme music is composed by Tom Lee. Thanks for downloading 